Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it is Thursday morning and that means in our expert series, we bring back Jonathan Twomley. How you doing, sir? I'm great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very well. So I think it's time, you know, we're, we're 10 weeks into this, right? And unemployment claims, unfortunately, was 2.12 million folks today. So still a shockingly high number. But what does that bring the total to? 41 million, I think it is. Wow. 41 or 42 million, you know, in 10 weeks, right? So that's a horrible yeah. average. But in essence, I think we're getting to the end of this, right? The more and more states, last I checked, I think 47 are on some path to reopening and, and the others will be there in June. Uh, so just around the corner. So I think it's time to talk about, you know, the reopening, right? In the stock market, there's a rotation going on, the, the reopening trade, right? Where people getting out of those five stocks and into the beat up ones, you know, airlines and cruise lines and the like. But for us, I think there's a real estate play, right? There's the multifamily angle and, you know, collections are good and, you know, uh, all the liquidity sloshing around the system and, you know, maybe everything just goes back to normal, huh? What do you think? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's it. Rats a wrap. <laughs> We're done. For today. We're done. Uh, yeah. I, I, think, I think that, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there who um, – who for whatever reason believe that, you know, once we reopen, it's just going to be back to normal. And I mean, I think there were like a number of reasons for that thinking. One is it sort of makes intuitive sense. Like you think like, well, the economy was shut down sort of quote unquote artificially because mm -hmm. of COVID. And then when it reopens, it'll go back to normal. Um, that's part of it. But I think also part of it is there is also, uh, you know, I was on a, I was on a, a call a week or so ago with a professor from Wharton named John Spencer, John Spence or John Spencer. And he's a, he's not a futurist. He's a nowist. I mean, he's sort of like a, like a super trend guy and kind of like is, is very, very expert in sort of what the, what the, what's happening below the surface that people aren't really paying attention to. Okay. And one of the things that he talked about was that the COVID, the reaction people are having to COVID is just like mourning a death that you go through, they're going oh. through the five stages of grief. And one of those stages is denial, right? And people are just in denial that there's been a massive change. Hmm. Um, and I think that that's a, like a normal human reaction. So I think that a lot of the, the hey, it's just back to business is, is from people being in some form of denial. And then sort of on top of that, there are also sort of those permanent, uh, permanent bulls who yeah. you know, are the last to capitulate when reality has changed. And you saw this in the last recession too. I mean, it's, it's, it's really fun. I highly recommend going on Google and find what people were saying about the, the crash like in 2008. And what you find is a lot of very prominent people like, like Larry Kudlow, who is currently uh, Trump's main economic advisor, was insistent that nothing was wrong. <laughs> And, yeah, and, 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 you know, he, he was, he was like that. Remember the guy during the Gulf war, the, who, uh, what did they call him? It was that, that Iraqi guy who, you know, went like, 
you know, the whole Iraq had been completely overrun by the U.S. and and he was on TV going, everything's fine. Yeah, we're, we're back. We're back good. dead Bob. Back, was that his name? Back like, dead Bob. Dead Bob. Yeah. Back dead Bob. Yeah, like so. Kudlow was like Baghdad Bob in two thousand eight, yeah. and insisting that like while everything was crashing around him, you know, yeah. like you know, it's we all under this. control. It's it's all fine. Nothing, you know. <laughs> ignore the man behind the behind the curtain over there. Not, nothing you know? to see here. Yeah. Nothing to see here. So you see a lot of that, and I think there's, I think you know, there's there's um there's less of that this time around. But I think there's still there are a lot of people who are saying like, oh, it's all fine. Um, now I I think though what's really going to happen though is that when you know it may not be you know, we just before we got off the call you were talking about um how you're not worried about collections on multifamily through august because of the unemployment and that's when that enhanced unemployment is scheduled to run out um i i'm i'm, I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of extension but I, whether it's as generous i don't know i think there's going to be a big fight in congress about that but yeah. the I think actually the time when like the oh yep moment comes actually is after the reopening when things don't dramatically improve because so define dramatically improve because I think that's so, what people are struggling to see yeah well I guess so yeah it's a good that's that's thank you for saying that because you know what you're going to see in the data is the for the third quarter is the best. Yeah. The best quarter of economic growth ever, ever recorded in the history, in the history ever. of yes. anything. And of course, you know, the politicians will all run out and grab credit for that and say, you know, you've never seen growth like this before. And it's all because of me, Yeah. but it's just going to be because of the reopening. But the problem is that it's coming off a low base, right? So we could have off the base that we, now the base is very low. We could have like 30% economic growth yeah. in one quarter and but that will only take us back to like 75 percent of where we were yeah right? and so this is, this is a good point because i did this for folks the other day just because people don't get math they don't get statistics so yeah. follow this logic right let's just say for argument's sake that the american economy was a hundred billion dollars or a trillion dollars a round number let's just yeah Say, say 100 billion, it makes the math say, easy. Yeah, say 100 yeah. billion. So let's just tell everybody, right? If the GDP goes down 40% in Q2, that means we will produce from 100 billion, we will go to 60 billion. That's what math says. And then, oh, by the way, let's say we have a 30% return in Q3. Now we go from 60 billion to 78 billion. That's just how math works. Yeah. And oh, by the way, 78 billion is still $22 billion light from just you know what it was. Where we were you know, 90 days ago or 180 yeah. days ago. So the stats will freak people out. People will be talking about percentages that are, that mean nothing against, yeah. you know, 30% sounds great until you realize we're 22 billion right. lower than a hundred. So watch the narrative, right? Yeah. When this happens in the next quarter or wherever the numbers hit, maybe well, we're still in, we're still early in the second quarter. So actually maybe the second quarter numbers are going to be the ones that really show a strong rebound. But anyway, watch Watch the narrative because the yeah. narrative is going to be misleading. The narrative is going to be, we have, you know, the most incredible economic growth ever, yeah. and therefore everything is fine. And and maybe you know some of that talk will actually help, oh, you know, it because will. it's all about yeah. psychology. Like that'll help restore some confidence. But for sure, but the pain is still going to be there. And yeah. you know what people who are smarter than I and more versed in these things are saying is that, you know, we're going to have ten percent unemployment through the rest of the year 
oh, at least, at right? Least. And maybe Jeez. into next year. And sure. once once the reality of that happens, then I think that that that's going to change kind of consumer confidence and public well, here, perceptions you know, a lot. The, because when they see, you know, when people see like their favorite restaurants not reopening, yeah. right? When they see, um, you know, stores that they've shopped at forever mm-hmm. not reopening, right? Then that I think the reality is going to hit them when they, when they can't sell their house because there aren't buyers for it. You know, that's when the reality is going to hit people. Yeah. I think there's actually another unemployment story that's just starting to trickle. And it's the one that I've been actually telling people I expect to come. And that is that unemployment, the folks getting on the new claims are in higher end jobs now, right? The, the -hmm. first wave of claims was that hourly worker at restaurants and retail and, all the folks that we expect. But now just look at the, the companies that are coming out and talking about layoffs, right? Boeing, big industrial, HP, IBM. I mean, it's starting to work its way up the stack. And now you're talking yeah. about six figure jobs and a tech, you know, I mean, Uber had a layoff, a couple of layoffs here recently. It is working its way up and yeah. um, that, that hurts. Yeah. And that's, you know, a combination of things. One is there's just less demand for all these things. Now, like Boeing is an obvious one. They've had all their orders have just been shut yeah. off. Like yeah. everyone's canceled their orders, right? Because yeah. they're not, the airlines don't know when they're going to be back to normal, mm-hmm. you know? So that has the, the, the trickle down effect. Yep. Right. And, but then, uh, you know, so there's the, the, the obvious ones like that, but then there's also, and you and I have talked about this before, corporations will absolutely use this as an opportunity to cut Absolutely. dead weight, to automate, and that is going to cause dislocation. Even if those people eventually find new jobs, there's going to be a lag time between them getting laid off and them finding new jobs, especially if the economy is all you know, discombobulated. So, yeah. so, so going back to the question of like what happens to multifamily yep. in all of this, the, the, the primary issue is uncertainty. And I think that, and that's what affects buyer psychology, mm-hmm. right? It's that it's the uncertainty. It's not being able to come up with a forecast as to where things are likely to go. And that means that you can't, it becomes extremely difficult to underwrite under those circumstances because you just don't have any certainty at all where you're going. So in that situation and lenders have the same problem, right? Lenders have the same issue. So in that situation, because you can't predict the future, you're going to tend to assume the worst if you're, if you're being, if you're conservative, right? Mm-hmm. And that means you're going to want to have a, get a big discount on property before you're willing to buy. And if sellers are continuing to ask peak pricing, which they will, mm-hmm. because it's in the seller's interest and the sellers, you know, are anchored to those peak prices and the sellers are going to be the ones who are saying, look, we just had 30% economic growth. Everything is great. Those two, the, the, you know, what the sellers are, are glomming onto as like supporting their position and what the buyers are going to, you know, glom onto to support their position. There's going to be this big gap, right? You know, what we have, what you have at the top of the market is kind of everybody agreeing that everything is great. Yeah. And it's going to be that way forever. Right. Yep. And you better get in now because otherwise you'll just miss out. Now what you've got is the sellers like, hey, come on, remember it's 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 going to be great forever. And the buyers like, eh, I'm not, I, I can't think, I don't know what. So yeah. um, that's going to cause pricing to correct, even if everything else stays the same. 
but the, the problem is it won't stay the same either. I mean, I think you're going to start to see some kind of erosion of collections. Now, it may not be dramatic because of the, the unemployment support that sh that's out there, but I think, you know, th there's been so much attention paid to these, this particular band of workers who are making more on unemployment mm -hmm. than they would at their jobs, right? But that is not everybody, right? No. That's the thing. All the attention has been focused on them. And this is why, you know, I just did this big presentation and maybe we should have an episode based on this sometime. I did a big presentation the other day about investor psychology. Mm. And one of the, one of their, their cognitive biases, which are essentially like rules that we create inside our heads to make make the world simpler and make it possible to function in a world where you're bombarded with information. One of the biases though that has developed in human evolution is the, is the bias towards stories over data, mm. right? Because stories are easy to understand and data is not, just like you were talking about a moment ago. So the story of spectacular economic growth yeah. is, much easier, is much easier to understand than, you know, it's growth off a low base. That means you're not right. back where you were. That means there's still pain. You know, the data is, is you know, the stories are easier. So um, the, the story that we've been hearing, the story that's captured the narrative is all these people who are making more yeah. on unemployment than they would at their jobs. And there are a lot of people who are very angry about this situation yeah. Yeah. and they think it's terrible, whatever. That aside, that's not the whole population of the United States. That's not even the whole population of people who are unemployed. Right. People who are above the median in earnings are not going to be making what they are making, even with that $600 a week bonus, yep. right? And that's going to reduce economic activity at the, you know, above the median level, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's going to start filtering through the system. Yep. There are also other people who are not necessarily eligible for unemployment, yeah. right? Like business owners, your business goes out of business, you can't collect unemployment in most cases. Now, maybe there might be some wrinkles in, co in the, co the relief bill, but still, yeah. if you, you're not typically eligible for unemployment in that situation, or freelancers who, you know, the whole gig economy, those people historically have not been eligible for unemployment. Again, there may be some provisions in right. the, CARES the, Act, the COVID yeah. bill, that, that the CARES Act that, that take care of that. But the point is they're not, replacing their full income no, on, right. uh, with that in, in most cases. So that's, that's going to have an effect. And, and, and while all this is going on, it just becomes extremely difficult to know what you're buying, right? You might know what you're buying right now. Right. And typically, you know, when you, when lenders are looking at a deal or investors are looking at a deal, you know, you're looking at the last 12 months. We are also looking at the last three months to try to figure out where things are going from here. Yeah. The last three, but the, the problem with that now is that when you look at that, that T3 data, the trailing three months data, it's going to look good. But the problem is you, nobody feels that they can predict yeah. that into the future. That's Amen. the problem. Yes. Historically, you have said, you know, okay, I believe that the last three months, the next three months will look something like the last three months, most likely. Right. Maybe with some seasonal fluctuation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm going to write in some vacancy to take care of that right but right now everyone's looking at the world i think if they know what they're doing and saying okay great t3 looks fine except we know that this is a different world we, we this is not necessarily we can't extrapolate this into the future because we don't know what the future holds 
And that's, that's what's going to cause the disconnect. Of course, the seller is all going to say, hey, look, it's all great. Yeah, here's my T3, take it. Here's my, t- here's my T3, take it. take it. You know, but I think that the banks and the buyers are going to say, I just, I just don't know. And if yeah. I don't know, I, I'm not going to move. But, but believe me, there will be buyers out there. Oh, I've I seen call, them already. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I call the, there's the, uh, so there's the, um, the Warren, the people who want to be like Warren Buffett, right? The, <laughs> but the, 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 the be greedy when others are fearful. Right. People, right. Yeah. Those are, so the people there are, so all these people who are talking about Warren Buffett, like being, you know, I'm greedy now because everyone's fearful. The, the problem is the, the, the sophisticated buyers are not, they're not fearful necessarily. They just don't know what's going on. Yeah. There's a right? difference between fear and don't know. Absolutely. Right. There's a, there's, that's a huge, huge difference. Yes. So when I see these people like in my Facebook group going, I'm buying because I'm, I'm a contrarian <laughs> and everyone that. else is scared. I'm like, no, that you don't understand it. This is not, this is yeah. not fear. This is just uncertainty and uncertainty causes everything to grind to a halt. Right. So those people who are, who are going to buy, you know, those people who think that they're Warren Buffett buyers yeah. who are buying now yeah. are going to turn out to be Jimmy Buffett buyers. <laughs> and it's my own damn fault, right? right. From Margaritaville. They're going to be the ones who are going to buy in this period of uncertainty. Maybe they will get lucky and everything will rebound, but Maybe. I don't think so. Yeah. I think more, what's more likely to happen is that, you know, the, as this plays out, the bad news is going to really hit. It's going to hit the economy and those, you know, rents are going to be hit, values are going to be hit, and those people will be, you know, left singing the lyrics to Margaritaville. Yeah, it's my own damn fault. They should have known better. Um, so, I'm yeah, I, trademarking this now. The Jimmy Buffett, the Jimmy Buffett, you know, buyers. The Jimmy Buffett who, buyers. I who think it. that they are the Warren Buffett buyers? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I guess when I look at it, I think there's just three things we have to put out there just so we feel better about what's, what's out there with us is if you are really modeling, you know, doing a performa or whatever you want to call it on a future acquisition, I think you have to, I think you have to model in rent deflation. Mm-hmm. I think that's only wise. I think you have to model in uh, higher economic vacancy. And I think you have to model in a higher cap rate. Um, and probably even higher cost of capital, right? If you look out f- far enough. And I don't think the people that I see raving about, oh God, I made an offer and you know we're close and I might get it. I'm like, I, I just don't see them doing any of those four things. Yeah. And that's, that's dangerous. And again, when you, when you talk about you know, data and stories and the narrative, you know, recently there was a, I saw something about how multifamily pricing was actually up over April tw- oh, 2019. Geez. I did not right? see that. But, but volume is down oh, 70, 70, 70%, <laughs> which, which means that basically what you're talking about is deals that went into contract before COVID hit yeah. at peak pricing Finally and they're, clo- they're closing yeah. now and they're being reported now. And of course, because they, they didn't price COVID in, these are kind of like the last wave of the people who bought the before, yeah. you know, before COVID hit. And wow. um, the, so, but you're going to hear this narrative about multifamily pricing remains strong, right? And you have to you have to really dig into the, you know, get past the narrative, dig into the data, see what yeah. it really means, what these numbers are actually reporting. You know, it's not all fine, right? Yeah. So, uh, 
I mean, nobody, you know, not, don't want to be all about doom and gloom, but I mean, it's No, not, I don't think not, any of this is doom and gloom. Yeah. We're both going to continue to invest in real estate and multifamily specifically. It's just doing it in a safe manner. Yeah. And the, the future is very different than the last decade, right? We are, you should have rent deflation. Was that even a part of any of your models five years ago? No, not in mine, right? Yeah. It's, it's going to happen, right? Economic occupancy is, is going to go up or yeah, ec economic uh, vacancy. Yeah. Vacancy. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. That's, that's going to be a problem. And, and heaven forbid cap rates, right? That's going to be a big cap, cap rates are going to expand. Model yeah. yeah. I mean, people are going to want, that's just your risk premium, right? Yeah. People are going to want more of a risk premium to buy anything. I mean, there was, there was something that circulated all around. I'll have to dig it up again, but uh, about a month ago or, or so, maybe even longer ago than that, the, everything's blurring together now. through the <laughs> thing. But um, the, about the, someone polled institutional investors about how they're going to underwrite going forward. Huh. And some, you know, it was, there was like, 40 to 50% of them said that they were going to be underwriting zero or negative growth, rent growth. Right. Wow. And as soon as that happens, I mean, that alone causes pricing to drop, Has right? To. Because if you're, if you're an IRR based investor as these institutionals are, then what they're looking at is, you know, if they're saying I'm going to be modeling in zero rent growth, then that, destroys your IRR unless you're buying at a really low valuation going in. Right. So, yeah. uh, so th what that says to me is that very little buying is going to be going on except for, you know, for a while, you know, distress, there's still some 1031, you know, mm -hmm. those, those folks with the, you know, the 1031 money and they're writing that the have to that, retrade, yeah. they have to retrade. And they're, and especially the ones who are not the ones who are like just, greedy and don't want to pay tax, but the ones who have like refied so many times that there's no cash yeah. to pay the tax with, you know, unless they dig into their, uh, into other properties or other savings, right. other holdings to, to generate it. Like those people who are like really have to do a 1031 are in a really sticky situation right now because no, sure. it's going to be very hard to find deals that make sense to them uh, that all, that the sellers are willing to part with for those prices, you know, as hard as it was a couple of months ago, at least the data looked good and people could kind of, you know, pretend that it was going to be great forever, but now they can't do that. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. One of the things I wanted to ask you about given you're in the, in, in New York is, do you believe the hype around this suburbia trade where, where more and more New Yorkers are leaving? And, and frankly, I could say the same thing about San Francisco and going out because again, their employers are saying stay away. Or do you think that's just a hiccup and they're all come back? I, you know, it's, it's funny you ask that question because I was thinking about it. There's definitely been, I've been hearing, again, stories, it's yes. anecdotes yeah. about, uh, you know, suburban brokers like in the Hudson Valley or Long Island or whatever being overwhelmed by the amount of calls that they're getting, mm. right? And, but I, I was actually listening to the radio and I heard one of the best quotes ever. This is actually from a, a real estate industry person okay. who said, he said, the plural of anecdote is not data. <laughs> Which I thought is, is brilliant. It's absolutely true. Like you hear a lot of anecdotes, a bunch of brokers telling you yeah. the phone's ringing off the hook. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that that's going to translate into sales. Right. That means a lot of people are like, 
yeah. Pan- some of them are panicking. Maybe some of them were, were planning to move already anyway, mm-hmm. but you know, but, and this has advanced their calendar. Yeah. So again, too early to tell. Like, I think that this always happens. Like after nine 11, it was the same thing. Nobody's going to want to live in the city anymore. Yeah. No, everyone's right. going to leave the city. No one's going to want to live downtown. I mean, a few years later, it was as if it never happened. Right. right. So, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, so I, I, I take these things with a little bit of a grain of salt. Sure. Um, you know, that I, I also, I mean, one of the things that I, again, remains to be seen, maybe I'm wrong about this, but, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people who I think sort of tend to be like the New York City haters in the first mm-hmm. place. They're like, oh, you know, all these people are going to want to get out of New York City and move down south yeah. because, of, because they don't want to be in apartments like near other people. And I was thinking, if they're the people who are that scared of coronavirus that they want to leave apartments, why are they going to go somewhere where nobody wants to wear a mask? Yeah. You know, where, they're, where they're like, you know, yeah. I don't have to wear a mask because it's my constitutional right. And like, that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. If that, like that kind of logic, yeah. I can understand more than moving to the Hudson Valley. Sure. Because because if like, if I'm going to be in lockdown, I want to have a backyard like that. Right. That makes that, sense. That makes more sense. Um, but uh, again, it's just too early to tell. There's always this, you know, when these things happen again. So going back to the presentation I did the other day about psychological biases this is the recency bias, right? Recency right, bias sure. is Absolutely. the tendency to overweight recent events. Yeah. And, uh, and it happens every time, you know, that's why like after a plane crash, everyone's worried about their plane crashing yep. because it's, but it has nothing to do with the data, right? It's why after nine 11, everyone's like freaked out about terrorism, even though your chances of getting caught in a terrorism event are like next to nothing. Right. So, right. but everyone's freaked out about that. So it, now it's COVID is the recent thing. Yeah. And so a lot of people are, uh, like making these calls, but it doesn't actually mean they're going to move, right? It doesn't actually mean anything. Some of them will, but like, we just don't know what the, what the extent of it is. Um, yeah. I, I do think by the same logic, you know, if people are saying, you know, I don't want to live in New York city because it's so crowded and there's all these other people around and like that, why doesn't that logic apply to, like garden style apartments in the suburbs someplace. Like I think it, you, I think it does actually. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think yeah. it does. Like why for multifamily, um, why wouldn't people be saying like, Hey, I, I don't want to live on top of other people. I want to have my own backyard where I, you know, I'm not like in, in contact with my neighbors. You know, I want to go buy a house if I can. Yeah. I think that, that I think we're seeing that already in at least early data. Yeah. Right? Lower entry homes. I mean, we saw record numbers. It was actually up 1% in, let me get this right. I think it was April data, which was a shock, right? They expected it to be down 22% and it was up 0.86. So I rounded it to 1%. And it was all the home, new homes below 300 grand. If it was above 500 grand, dead. So below the median. It was below, below the yeah. median. New yeah. home, new construction, below 300 grand, flying off the shelf. Interesting. Uh, so I think there is truth to that. You know, the whole, and I think, I'm starting to think that class A is going to be in the mo- in a lot of pain and class C is going to be in pain, right? Class A is probably the people with reserves that probably have options that probably have the wherewithal for a three and a half percent down payment and get a cheap home, right? For their yeah. backyard. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, no, I agree. I think you know, when people have been asking me, what, do, what would you invest in? I, I had already come to this conclusion before COVID, but COVID just, so COVID just compresses the timing for everything, right? So 
the the B property is the place to be. Yeah. No, no pun intended. And the, <laughs> the, and the reason for that is A is what's always overbuilt yeah. and it, it needs peak pricing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of it and you got to, and it's the highest rents. And then C is where the people are disproportionately hurt more in terms of layoffs. Mm-hmm. So B is, is more stable. Now this goes on long enough. What you're going to see is the A coming after the, the best B tenants, right? They're going to try to poach those tenants with, <laughs> you know, with free rent and yeah, huge concessions specials, and yeah. moving specials and like, Hey, come and live in like the, the best apartment in town for what you, you know, for a hundred bucks more than what you were paying yep. at, at your B property, which doesn't have all these great amenities. Like you will see that. So B is not, if this goes on for a long time, then B will lose some of that advantage that it has. Sure. And then B will turn around and try to poach the best C tenants. Right. So, and then some people will want to pay less and they'll go to C like, it'll be, it'll be a lot of shifting around, um, but overall, at the end of the day, if there are fewer jobs, that means less renters. And I don't exactly. care. I will defy anybody to prove otherwise. If there are fewer jobs, you know, there are more renters. It just doesn't work that way. People will double up. They'll move back in with their, their, their parents. They'll, yeah. get mar- they'll get married. They'll move in with their girlfriend or boyfriend before yeah. they were planning to. Like whatever yeah. they need to do to save rent or save mortgage payments. They will. And that's another trend that I see coming is people are going to increasingly have to double up. So then the question will become, do we double up in a house, which, oh, by the right. way, combined, we spend an extra hundred bucks or do we double up in an apartment? And again, I just see the single family home being the thing that's hot for certainly the next couple of years. And I'm on record saying the best investment for the next decade. I just yeah. think we're moving that direction. So pretty interesting. Any, uh, any closing thoughts as we kind of wrap up this, uh, this discussion? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been talking about all these issues for a long time. So I think that it's really, the, the reopening is going to be interesting. Yes. I think we're going to be watching that very, very closely. It's, I think it's more important than that unemployment $600 a week check that people are getting. I think, I think you know, what, what, you, what you see is a lot of, uh, you know, with the reopening, you know, there, people are talking about, oh, the bars are full, the beaches yeah. are full, whatever. And of, of course they are because- all there, all these people have been waiting to get to these places for a long time. Cabin fever, cabin fever, but it's also again like narrative versus facts, right? You, I think let's just say let's pull a number out of the sky mm-hmm. that let's just say twenty five percent of the population just doesn't believe that they need to take COVID seriously. Yeah, right. They just they just don't, and maybe they're it's right. Some number, but, yeah, maybe. But whatever, there's a number of there's a number of people who just think it's all it's a hoax. It's all it's a hoax, or it's overblown. Those are the people that are all rushing out yep. to to go to bars, and so the bar, you know, the bars can all be full because that entire twenty five percent of the population is rushing out. But yep. what's going to happen is that after they get it out of their system, they, these people don't go to restaurants every single day, right? They don't. Mm-hmm. go to bars. Every, I mean, some people do, but most people don't go to bars every single day. Yeah. Right. And so what's going to happen is after that initial burst of like that, the cabin fever folks, then there's going to be, they're not going to be crowded like that every day. It's going to yeah. drop off because all, because everybody else is still staying away. Yeah. And so it's in a couple of weeks, it's not going to look as good economically as it does right now yeah. for a lot of those businesses, because the people who, who, are you know even if you just now no, let's just say on the other extreme let's just say that there are 10 percent of the population who are unreasonably afraid of covid right yep. like the people who are like 
you know, I, I'm not even going to leave my house in a hazmat suit, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to leave my house in a hazmat suit to go to a place where everybody else is in a hazmat suit because, because right. this, this thing can burrow its way through two hazmat suits. Like, right. it, I, and I know people like this. I, so I, so I have, do I. I know people like this. So let's just say that that's 10% of the population. That's, that's a huge hit to the economy, just that 10% of the population no who doesn't go out and spend money the way that they normally do. So that's why I think the people who were saying, like, we're going to open up, it's all going to be fine, uh, are, 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 are wrong. And I think, you know, we've talked about this too, this, the Sweden counterexample. Yeah. I mean, the, it's not looking so good in Sweden at the moment, right? I mean, their, their cases are skyrocketing and their economy is actually doing worse than a lot of their neighboring countries that went into full lockdown. So, yes. uh, so because people didn't want to go into public places and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, economic activity is down. So I, I think this is the reality that we're, yeah. that we're faced with and, and, and you should plan accordingly. And, I think we that have that all year. I think that, I think all year we have, I call them three camps. I think we have yeah. the camp that's not afraid. It's a hoax. It's an overblown flu right? Whatever that is, yeah. call it 20, call it 30, call it whatever you want. Then we have the two hazmat suits, right? I mean, like my wife is close to that. She's been outside twice yeah. in the last 45 days. I mean, like outside, Yeah. you know, so she's, she's, she's not okay. And again, her status means I need to watch that because I don't want her to piss her off and all of that stuff. Right. And then there's the folks in the middle, like, okay, if I have a mask on and I social distance, I will do things, but I won't go to a restaurant. I won't go to a bar. I won't go to a ball game, right? There's, and I think we're going to have those three camps all year yeah. and we're going to see what happens. And the good news to me is that unemployment doesn't go out until July 31st. That means we have two months to see if the first camp is right, because it's possible that mm-hmm. for the next two months, it's the summer higher average temperatures. This thing doesn't spread as much as it does in cold weather. And the opening goes great. That probably pulls people towards them. You go out five or six weeks and we suddenly see a spike in Georgia or Texas or wherever that just pulls people the other way. This is, it is, it's going to be interesting. But I mean, I think also the real danger is the fall, right? When the, Oh, for sure. And so like, because I think, I think honestly, if you look at like the data from 1918 and with the Spanish flu and there are obviously differences, but the, if there is a second wave, then I think then like the panic is going to ensue because I think that like people will be like, you know, other than those people who are never going to believe it, who are convinced it's a hoax forever, those people will never change their minds. But for everybody else who's in the middle and is kind of like looking, like trying to figure it out, like trying to really honestly figure out what's going on. um, I think a lot of those people are going to be like, all right, this is like bad news (laughs) and I'm hunkering down. So um, yeah. But again, the uncertainty. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm still sitting tight. I. I. Uh, I'm looking at deals. I will. Add, you know, I, I locked up one in the last three or four weeks, but it was. It was. You know, forty percent below what you know others would have paid for it. But yeah, being conservative, saving my cash, and uh, I'm watching. So it's going to be interesting. And I'm. I'm bringing investors in. I mean, I'm. You know, I. I've had a big uh, increase in the number of people who reached out to me recently because awesome. I think that the message that the message that I've been saying for two years now people are they're like oh okay this makes sense to me nice that you know and so you know i i like as i said before there's uncertainty 
So we don't know where we are, but I think that the ultimate way that this plays out is that there's going to be opportunity when the uncertainty. That's great. When we, when it's, when it's over. So I'm like getting ready for that. I'm bringing people in. If you're interested in investing with me, you know, go to my two bridges asset management website and fill out the investor form and set up a call with me. Uh, But the, um, I mean, there is opportunity coming. The, the only issue is we don't know how big, when, yep. and how long it's going to last. Those yeah. are the three, the three variables, but it is coming. So we need to be ready for that opportunity. Yeah. And again, if you're looking at uh, partnering or being an investor with someone, you really should check out Jonathan Twomley and Two Bridges Management. Uh, go back and look at, he has a channel on this page, a playlist, I should say, a playlist on this channel. Uh, and I, I'd argue, go back and watch our first interview where, where we, we did, where he talked about he sold his portfolio and why he did it and all the heat he took. And I got to tell you, he looks like a genius. Uh, now the facts bear it out. And he is a genius. I, don't, don't say that. But listen, I will, I will say this about that. I got a lot of criticism from people who accused me of trying to time the market, yeah. right? But the fact of the matter is, I wasn't timing the market. I was saying, I was looking at the market and saying, it's getting very risky and the, the risk of a crash is now higher than the risk of me missing out on upside. Yep. So I want to take chips off the table before something happens because the way that these things work is the market goes up and up and up and up and up until something comes out of left field yeah, just to not. And, and when that happens, it's all over and now you've lost your opportunity. So yep. better to lock in your gains and miss some upside than yes. to have to, to miss the opportunity altogether and, and never get those gains. So that was, that was my thinking. So yep. I, you know, I could never have predicted COVID, never predicted any particular event, but I, but I thought the risk of, I just knew the risk of if something bad happened, it would not be good for multifamily. I knew that that risk was growing the, yep. the, the higher the market went. So that was, that was why I got out. Yeah. And I think it was really well done. I, I actually tried to go back and find that interview and make that link right in the top of this descriptions. You got to check out Jonathan, fill out his uh, investor survey question, questionnaire. Yeah, it's an investor questionnaire on the website. Yeah. Very cool. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. And we will talk next week. Thanks, Michael. See you yeah. next week. Yep.